0: First, we'll join Mike Parker as he continues his journey through the world of cartography. Today, he's exploring the connection between maps and the military, from a Cold War game of hide-and-seek, played between Ordnance Survey and the Soviet Union, to the maps which determined the course of the Second World War. For 57 consecutive nights between late 1940 and the spring of 1941... The German Luftwaffe pounded London and many other cities in an attempt to bring British industry, infrastructure and morale to its knees. And they came close to succeeding. By the end of the Blitz in May 1941, some 43,000 civilians had been killed, half of them in London. As they returned, night after night, German air crews carried with them weapons that were just as important to the success of their mission as the bombers and their deadly payloads. Those weapons were, of course, maps. The charts which guided them across the North Sea and onwards to their targets with deadly precision. Maps and war have gone together since tribal leaders first drew lines in the sand with a stick. And if preparation is the key to military success, decent mapping of enemy turf is a major part of that. Back in the 40s, for instance, much of the information on the maps that brought the bombs raining down on Britain had been gathered by German intelligence long before hostilities
1: ever began. They'd used Lufthansa, the German airline. It was the freight element, and, and they wandered all over the country, little control in those days, they wandered all over the country taking photographs of key installations, which were represented on mapping, target, illustration sheets.
0: So they, they, they would have had, I mean, some, somebody from the German army would have wandered into Stanford's in the pre-war years and if. bought the entire collection of OS maps of Britain, and then they would have added their photog- photographic information and, exactly and then produced, right. yeah. produced what we're looking at here, which is a German map of south-west London yes. with a red... Uh, an installation of some
1: kind? Which is a, which is a Gasworks, yes.
0: Oh, Fulham it's Gasworks. It's the Fulham
1: Gasworks, yes. Yes, they would have done, and yeah. I suspect, again, you know, you, you don't... Uh, well, as you say, you walk into Stanfords and buy the maps. Uh, the Germans were probably... A- much more subtle than that. They probably went into several shops and bought the maps, you know. <laughs> so you, if you going to buy the whole of Ordnance Survey, won't get it. it does them. raise an eyebrow, but yeah. yeah. Well, I but think no, it mean, did fox them as well, it did, yeah. yeah. But certainly, um, you purchase the best available mapping.
0: Mike Mockford is chairman of the Medmanham Collection near Bedford, a museum that commemorates the work of photographic interpreters, the men and women who, during the Second World War, analysed the hundreds of thousands of photos taken by aerial reconnaissance units often spitfires flying alone deep into enemy territory, but equipped with cameras instead of guns. Aerial photography was a crucial element in the preparation for the D-Day landings, but military intelligence also used many other sources as they built up a picture of the terrain that the troops would soon be fighting their way across.
1: Well, this is this is a bigot map. Um, these were produced of the Normandy beaches, uh, World War II, uh, for D-Day. I'm looking at this one. This is Lux-a-mer on the on the Normandy coast, and
0: you've got annotations such as uh, an arrow pointing to cutting through cliff eight foot wide gravel road question mark blocked by concrete wall i mean that's yes very been specific been intelligence been that's been amazing
1: now that could have come from a combination of information aerial photography would have played a major role in that um the type of soil and uh, of the road let's say a gravel road Uh, That may well have been from uh, first-hand information from somebody who walked that path before the war and said it's gravel, Uh, holiday photography, um, somebody who was infiltrated ashore, um, the French Resistance, all contributed to these maps. I'm sure our soldiers
0: battling their way across France must have longed for the familiar clarity of an Ordnance Survey map. Instead, they had to use French maps, which, although they had plenty of detail, were always notoriously difficult to read accurately. As a photographic interpreter, Geoffrey Stone was initially based at the Allied Central Interpretation Unit at RAF Medmenham, But later in the war, he joined an armoured division inching its way across France. It's, it's how
2: the French at that time put the name of a place. Now, the convention was usually that they put it to the left of the place, but it didn't always fit in, so you could never be quite sure where the place was that they were naming. Uh, And so you'd get a unit saying that they'd taken this village
0: when, in fact, it was the previous village. As his unit fought their way further east, Geoffrey left behind those troublesome cartes françaises and he began to call up from headquarters the charts which would take him and his comrades across the Rhine.
2: So when I received my map, first maps of Germany, I found they were beautifully printed on some lovely paper. To my surprise, when I turned it over, what (laughs) did I find? (laughs) But it was printed on the map, uh, on the back of German maps of Britain. They were the Ordnance Survey, one-inch map. All the legend was in German, but the text, of course, being photographically reproduced, was still in English. Yes. But it was most marvellous because, for instance, my hobby was mountaineering, and to find suddenly the cool in the sky or the Cairngorms or Snowdonia on the uh, back of a sheet I got for practical purposes. In fact my colleague used to chime me that I was spending more time reminiscing about hills than I was about doing my job. Yes. Um,
0: but that's quite a nice motivator as well, because you've got you there with your with your map of where you've got to go and fight. But if you want to remember what you're fighting for, just turn over and
2: Precisely. It's wonderful, you
0: hit you your name that was absolutely
2: marvellous to have home in Britain on one side yes. and and Germany on the other
0: side. When you're far away, a map of home with its familiar shapes and names, can be extraordinarily evocative. It speaks of a, a four-square permanence where everything is right with the world and in its place. Or nearly everything. Because for eight decades, there were little sections of ordinary survey maps that weren't quite right. There were suspicious blank spaces on an otherwise busy and detailed map. Railway tracks would come to a halt in the middle of apparently empty countryside. Something was going on. I'm well, just touring around these snowy lanes of Cheshire at the moment, looking for somewhere that's not on my map. Now, my map's about 20-odd years old, so from the 80s, and uh, this place was very firmly kept off the map then. Nowadays, if you look on a, a modern OS, you'll see it well and truly emblazoned away with a little blue hatching across the, t- the tourist attraction. Uh, it's a secret nuclear bunker, it's called. yeah. Not so secret, I guess, if it's so so well signposted. Not so well... Ah, no, there is a signpost. Yes. Secret bunker, there it is. Secret nuclear bunker. Here we come. When you hear the air attack warning, you and your family must take cover. Hack Green was one of a chain of blast-proof underground bunkers spread across Britain that would have acted as headquarters for central government in the event of nuclear attack. It could house 135 people, mainly civil servants, in a warren of offices, communications and monitoring rooms, generators and air filtering equipment. Now that our fears and paranoias are Al-Qaeda flavour, it's strange to recall their Cold War predecessors of the early 80s and the apparently imminent prospect of nuclear annihilation. At school, we'd worry over copies of the government handbook, Protect and Survive, wondering just how much of a defence whitewashed windows might be against incoming Soviet missiles. And while the rest of us would be crouched in the cupboard under the stairs waiting for Armageddon, the self-chosen few would be hidden away in one of those blank spaces on the map. And as you go down the stairs... You enter a world where the clock stops somewhere around 1984, both the real one and George Orwell's. One room is full of desks, each equipped with a phone and a little placard announcing which government department it represents, and one or two extra dealing with casualties and disposal of bodies. In another room, an old Telex machine chatters away, and in the tracking room at the far end of the corridor, you can listen to the audio from a nuclear attack training exercise. (laughs) Listening to it with me is Alan Turnbull. He's the creator of the Secret Bases website, which, over the last few years, has used internet mapping and satellite imagery to show in detail all those military sites that Ordnance Survey kept off the map for so long.
3: There are classic signs to look out for on OS maps, and, and they can be typically um, euphemisms like works and depot and also suspicious uh, dead-end roads that go into the middle of an apparent farmer's field.
0: Yes, or a railway, you've got this kind of weird phantom That's railway right. yeah. wobbling across the, the well, empty it's, space. it's
3: quite an elaborate uh, railway system that uh, goes across the countryside there and uh, you have to wonder what on earth it's, it's serving and then if you look at the blank space... In the middle of it, uh, you discover what's there. Yes. It's essentially a a whole valley that uh, has got nothing in it but uh, some uh, woods, copses, um, and all you can see right in the middle there are the contour lines on the OS map. There's no detail in between... Uh, and beneath the, uh, the contour lines at all. That's, that's quite amazing. There is, if, there
0: is a path. You've got the path dribbling. You'd, you'd have a bit of a shock if you took it out there for somebody else. To exactly. Off, if, you, yeah, you know?
3: if you were a rambler walking up... That, you'd, you'd <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be confronted by uh, uh, barbed wire fences, obviously, but uh, it would come as a bit of a shock to go, wouldn't it?
0: The irony is, though, that while the UK government was trying so hard to keep sensitive military sites off the OS maps and giving walkers a nasty surprise from time to time... The opposition had perfectly good, very detailed maps of their own, thank you very much. Chris Perkins, Manchester University's map curator, shows me an example.
2: The title says (laughs) Manchester,
0: Bolton, Stockport, and Oldham. I've forgotten what the Russian for three is, but treat three. So, yeah, Soviet maps. So they were mapping, this is from when, the 70s? Mid-70s, yeah, 75. So middle of the Cold War, and they were mapping
1: basically... Everything that we've got. There's four sheets covering Manchester. This is one of them. This is the uh, the southwestern sheet. So you have got the city centre in the top right, and it goes out into the leafy Cheshire countryside, bottom left. It's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it
0: really is. I mean, everything written in Cyrillic script in the Russian. That's where on earth is that? Altringham. 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 That's <laughs> right. Yes, I can see. it. vaguely. Uh, yeah. yeah. But what is what interests me about this in particular is that, of course, for for decades since the 20s, Ordnance Survey kept loads of military establishments off the map,
1: and for obvious reasons, and for the reasons There's one one here.
0: Well, here they are, yeah, the Russians have them all on their maps.
1: Risley Moss appears on on the Russian map, colour-coded in green, because it's a military site, Um, and it wouldn't, I don't think, have appeared on ...OS mapping of the 1970s at the same date. What is Risley Moss? What is Risley it? Moss is an, um, a nuclear um, site. It's, um, mm. it, uh, it doesn't exist now. It's now a housing estate. But in, in the 70s, nuclear uh, materials would have been processed there. No, I'm sure that wouldn't have been on the OS
0: map. So all that effort that the Order of the were putting yeah. in to, to hide the stuff... ...was yes, completely sure. futile. The Russians had it all mapped. Yes. And with the rise of the Internet, even in the days before Google Earth... ...anybody could see these sites themselves if they knew where to look. Alan Turnbull was one of the pioneers who began filling in the map's blank spaces.
3: At that time, uh, the Multimap website was offering you the option to overlay aerial photography on top of OS maps and vice versa. Uh, and you could actually drag your mouse across the uh, the image and the, the two would be married together. And then you, that would obviously highlight... Uh, ridiculous anomalies. So you had the ridiculous situation whereby the OS map was showing a blank uh, apparent farmer's field with a dead-end road running into the middle of it and you overlaid the aerial photography and all the truth was revealed beneath. Ordnance Survey, uh, since then, have undergone a method of updating all their mapping, both in print and online, so that the piece by piece, each of these apparent works and depots are being reintroduced to the maps. And tomorrow, on the eve of Ordnance Survey
0: releasing its data for free for the first time in a century, Mike Parker asks what the future holds for Britain's National Mapping Agency. And On the Map is produced in Wales by Jeremy Grange.